You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. How many want a breakout? How many wants God to just break out in your life? Break into your life. Circle you, encircle you, overtake you. Yeah. I live my whole life like that. My whole life is lived for that, that how, do, how do you say it? The all-out sellout, the absolute surrender to God. And uh, I can't promise you that I've mastered it. I've, I've got a ways to go. But my heart is always there. I want to be like him. I want to walk like him. I want to talk like him. I want to affect lives like him or for him, maybe I should say. I want to be so much like him that when I stand in someone's presence, they encounter Jesus and not me. Is that, is that, is that too zealous? Is that too zealous for a Christian? Because what I read in the, in the book of Acts and I see all the things that the disciples did amid some of their mistakes... There was a real passion, a real desire, a real hunger, a real thirst. And they delivered many of the same uh, wonderful miracles and attributes that Jesus did while he was here on the earth. In fact, sometimes they did things Jesus didn't do. Like, I never heard of Jesus healing someone when he walked by and his shadow cast upon them. But when Peter walked by, people were healed just because his shadow fell upon them. And Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do. I always took that as in number because we're so, much, we're so many more people than just one person on the earth trying to do that. But then again, when you see something like that, and it is something that Jesus didn't do, then maybe he's going to put you in a very unique spot to do something that nobody else in this life can do. Ooh, that sounds like my God right there. I'm getting excited. I ain't even started yet. Matthew, the 27th chapter. I want to start with verse... 45. We're in the middle of the crucifixion of Christ Jesus. And now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over how much of the land? All the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In other words, he felt all alone. And some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man called for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let it let be. Let us see whether Elias will come and save him. In other words, they were mocking him. Uh, I'll move on. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Oh, wait till you, I read this next verse. If this next verse don't make you shout, ain't nothing in this place in the body of Christ, ever going to make you shout. Look at this. And, and the graves 
were opened. Maybe I missed something there. Mm. And Jesus said with a loud voice, he gave up the spirit. And at once the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep in death were raised to life. In death, in death he gave life. (laughs) Mm, You you, you should have been here today. Mm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that when I read that, in fact, just now when I read it, there's goosebumps on my face and they say that that's medically impossible. Well, look you right there, baby. All up and down my face, I feel it. Why? Because... They tried to put the author of life to death. And even in death, he resurrected life. I'm brought back to when Martha was standing outside of the tomb of Lazarus just a few days ahead of this. And she, she was questioning Jesus. Her heart was hurting because of the loss of her brother And in that moment, he revealed that he is the life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. She knew that one day he would raise when the Lord got to the appropriate time. But Jesus came to show that God transcends time. And if he's standing in the middle of your presence, he can call life out of death. And at his crucifixion, when they're killing his physical man, his spiritual being is still resurrecting life from the dead I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ if that doesn't excite you nothing will one more time let him know that you appreciate him for all that he's done for you wow I gotta read that again just for my own sake look at this And Jesus cried again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit And at once the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook. Uh, And the rocks were split. And tombs were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep in death were raised to life. And then it talks about the next verse, that after his resurrection, many of these people were recognized in the streets. Woo, I don't know what that does to you, but when I read that, that just done something to me down on the inside. So before we get all the way full-blown into the message, let me just share with you. We're talking about Pentecost Sunday, so Get prepared because we're going to go over to the second chapter, first and second chapter of Acts here in just a moment. But uh, here's what I want to share with you. Because we're not, not being Jewish and not being, um, how do I want to say it? Not being Jewish and not being schooled in things that pertain to Hebrew tradition. When we read things in the Word, sometimes we don't understand that God is so calculated and so orderly 
that nothing that he does ever, ever is by happenstance. It is always calculated. Look at this. Jesus rode into the city when he announced that he was the Messiah and cast his leg over the colt and rode into the city with everyone hailing him as the Messiah. See, everyone in the street knew what that sign was because that sign had been prophesied and that when he threw his leg over that colt or that fowl or half old, whatever you want to say, as he was riding into the town, the whole town erupted because they went, the Messiah has come. That happened to be on the 14th day of the month, which is the day that just before Passover that you choose the lamb for sacrifice. Now the Jews are still celebrating Passover because that was the day that they were delivered from Egypt because the, the death angel moved in to overtake and they were instructed to paint their doorposts with the blood of the lamb, and it had to be a perfect lamb. It had to be a spotless lamb, one that you could find no flaw in. And on that day, he rode in. He rode in on the 14th day. He was crucified during the Passover celebration. And then came, after his crucifixion, and his resurrection came the time called Tabernacles. Tabernacles is a time and a feast that has to do with the ingathering of the saints. That's why all of the Jewish people had come back to Jerusalem because once a year they have to make that trek and come back to Jerusalem to the home origin or the place of their, their, their worship. And so first he's crucified at, at Passover, then the the Feast of Tabernacles is taking place. Jesus resurrected on the third day is still walking the earth during the ingathering fellowship of Tabernacles. He's making appearances to his disciples. They are seeing him. He did not go back to Rome and he did not go back to the religious crowd. He did not go back to those who murdered him. He went to those who celebrated him. And then at at the end of the Feast of the Ingathering or the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus is caught away in the ascension. And as he's caught away, 500 people who watched and witnessed him leave this earth and go back to his heavenly Father were instructed to go back to Jerusalem and to tarry there for the promise that he'd already promised the disciples that the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the one called alongside, the partner in your salvation would soon be coming. They went and they tarried. They dwindled down from 500 to 120. How many knows your flesh will rise up whenever you're trying to do something for God? How many knows if, if, if time drags on too long, sometimes you get impatient in waiting on God? But 120 stayed the course and stayed there. Ten days, ten days from the ending of tabernacles came the day of Pentecost. Ten days. Ten days. Ten days. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Here Jesus at his crucifixion has been beaten, bruised, nailed, and pinned with crown of thorns, mocked, maligned, cursed, and jeered at. 
And at noon, the sixth hour, convergence of darkness where the sun refused to shine, rose over Jerusalem. And sickness and disease and filth and all kinds of, of drudgery and, and, and demonic forces and hordes are, are converging on Jesus Christ while the sun refuses to shine. The sun won't shine because the earth is in travail because the life giver has been crucified. The life giver is now hanging on the cross. The life giver is in the middle of his mission. He's here to remove sin. He who knows no sin, the perfect lamb who rode in on the 14th day is now announcing to the world, here I am. I'm taking your sin upon me. Here I am, beaten and, and mocked and maligned that you will not have to. I am purchasing a way for you that you do not have to do what I have done. I'm purchasing a way for you to get you back in fellowship with the Heavenly Father. I'm giving you of a sacrifice of myself that you will not have to go through what I'm going through. He paid the sin for every man, woman, boy, and girl from Adam until the end of the age. He took it all upon himself right there on the cross. Nobody has to go to a sinner's hell because Jesus paid it all. And he, prayed, and he made utterances like, I wish that none should perish, that all would come to the fullness of salvation. At noon, the sixth hour, that convergence of darkness happened. Of course, by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the ninth hour, Jesus is crying out in the agony of the soul, Father, why, 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 why am I here all alone? Why am I hanging between heaven and earth all alone? For the word tells us that the Father turned his face away from the Son in that moment because he could not look upon the sinful uh, sacrifice in that moment because in that moment he who knew no sin became sin for us. But in verse 50, we find out that he chose the moment to give up the ghost. And his soul and his spirit departed when he chose to go. And when he did, the word tells us that the veil split, exposing the sham and the shame of the church of the day, of the temple system. There was no ark. There was no presence behind the veil. All they had was a form of godliness full of rules and regulations, but they denied the very power of God. And they were upset by Jesus walking the earth because he was proving the power of God and walking in the power of God. And the earth that was subjugated by Adam began to mourn at the loss of the son because when he cried, it is finished. And the earth began to shake and rocks began to split and life began to come up out of the grave. The earth was mourning. The earth was shaking. The word says that the earth and all of the creation that is in it was subjugated to, to being uh, relegated by a sinful condition because of what Adam had done. And on that day, the only hope that the world ever had was when Jesus threw his leg over that that cult that day and everyone looking on knew this is the Messiah this is the Messiah but the very church that he came to represent was the very church that took him out the very church that plotted against him the very church that didn't want what he had to offer oh they loved their form they loved their tradition they loved their rules they loved their regulation but don't bring us something that we can't tangibly get our hands around and figure out they didn't want miracles happening all over the place because it was causing people to gather other places than in the church house. Well, baby, if your church is powerless, it ought to be empty. Yeah. Look at this. Look at this. 
He chose the moment. And when he chose the moment, and the earth began to rock and to reel, and the veil was split, mm, hope died in that moment, and the earth mourned. Let that sink in for a moment. The reason the earth was travailing, the reason the ground was rumbling, the reason rocks were splitting is the earth goes, hope is dead. The earth was waiting for him. The earth was looking for him. The earth couldn't wait. It's always been waiting for the Messiah to come and set us free. The earth shook. And in that moment, may I introduce to you the idea that there was a seismic shift that trembled from the morning and the travail where hope had died. The earth shook so violently that the Roman centurion declared in awe, this surely was the Son of God. Surely this must have been God's Son for the earth to act this way. And at his death... Graves burst open in life as the resurrection and the life departed to retrieve the righteous from the bosom of Abraham. He retrieved the dominion of death, hell, and the grave by taking the keys from Satan. And the seismic shift at Calvary exposed the futility of the synagogue temple era of Jerusalem and the dawning of a new era that we call the church age, started at Calvary. It started at Calvary. Although we hail the upper room experience as the beginning, Jesus started it. Because when hope died and the earth travailed and the seismic shift began to happen in Jerusalem, then the old traditional system was revealed when the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom and you could see into the Holy of Holies and see that the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there. It hadn't been there since the first temple was built. It was somewhere in hiding, somewhere in protection, but not allowed to be in in that place but they gave up the scam and they told people that the Ark of the Covenant was there and every year they went through the ritual and sent the high priest in as if it was there and every high priest that served in that order who walked in behind that veil knew it was a sham knew they were playing a game knew that they had something that had no life in it and yet they were out there out there preaching a message of rules and regulations without having any real experience of their own but when Jesus came he said if you've seen the face if you see my face you've seen the face of the father I'm here to demonstrate to you that he is life and he is alive and look at me if you want to know what his character is like he doesn't hide behind a veil somewhere untouchable he's a God who's in the midst of his people he wants to be your king forever he wants out of the box he wants into your life will you receive him Woo, I'm having fun already. So at the dawning of this new era we call the church age, the earth stood. 
for a brief moment in grief and silence for three days. But at the resurrection, hope burst forth from the grave, bringing with it the promise of the seal of redemption. When Jesus came up out of the grave... Just before he came up, he paraded around before the heavenly host, a defeated foe in a, in a parade of defeat as he held up the keys of death, hell, and the grave. All of the manifold wisdom of God was being made known to the realms of darkness that Jesus was the champion of all mankind. When hope died that day, hope just took a short rest. He had another assignment. He intended to come back all along. He intended to come back and prove who he was. He intended that before he could do that, he had some business he had to take care of. And there were people in the bosom of Abraham who had to be retrieved who'd been waiting on the promise oh they were all there Abraham Sarah Isaac Jacob they were all there they were all waiting in fact the, the man that died on the cross with Jesus the thief who cried out and Jesus said he said you'll be with me this day in paradise also went to the bosom of Abraham but by the time Jesus got through and proved to them that he was the redemption of all mankind Everybody had their hand raised and said, yes, this is the Messiah, and we will follow him. And they followed him out of the dungeons and the caverns of the deep in the bosom of Abraham. The Bible says that on that day, hell enlarged its borders because paradise was somewhere in the center of the earth realm, somewhere. And on that day, hell increased its borders because all of the righteous on the side of righteousness had been let out of that place. Oh, I can prove and remember when Jesus was talking to the man uh, who said if you who died at uh, Lazarus uh, Lazarus died and this rich man died and he said would you send Lazarus uh, from the side of righteousness over here to those of us in torment uh, would you send my brothers back somebody back and let them know not to come to this place and Jesus let them know there is a division between you and I on this side of right is righteousness on that side is unrighteousness and you're there because you lived a life of unrighteousness. But he came to release those who were righteous. And he translated them from the bosom of Abraham, including Abraham, and brought them back to the portals of glory. Where now, when you die, it says when a man dies, immediately he is present with the Lord. I'm talking about the Messiah. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about someone who can die and resurrect life. Wow. I didn't know it was going to go this way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For 40 days, Christ Jesus walked again with man, tangible, touchable, alive, yet different. He could both be touched and yet appear and disappear in plain sight. Matthew, the 28th chapter, when suddenly he gets into his ascension, the promise of the comforter and the helper, helper and the partner was heard by 500 and all power that was given to Christ Jesus is the promise that was given that all the power of heaven and earth in Christ Jesus was promised to the believer. Guess who you are? Slap your neighbor a high five and say, tag, you're it. Look at this. Acts the first chapter. The eighth verse, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That word power there is the word dunamis. 
It is the explosive power of God. It is the miraculous power of God. It is a force and an ability and a mighty strength. It is a violent force. It is a wonder work. It is a dynamite strength of power that you have spiritually because you have his name and you're in him and the Holy Spirit resides in you. And if you have Christ Jesus on the inside of you through the paraclete, the one called alongside, then you have the very same power that Jesus had while he walked on the earth. You want to know how Peter could heal people with a shadow? It's because he walked with the anointing and the power and the presence of Christ Jesus on the inside of him through the personage of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me over to chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. In other words, they were assembled in one place. They were all together. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. The Lord told me to back up. I'm going to back up. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord. You can't be here and there and 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 have the same move of God. We have to be united. We have to be in this place united. That's what the Holy Ghost just told me to tell you. We must get united in our purpose, in our cause, in our heart, in the righteousness of God. We must get we must get uh, aligned with one another on where we want to head in Jesus Christ if we really want a mighty move of God. Who could say amen to that? If you can say amen to that, give the Lord a hand clap. Mm. golly there's too much here notes are binding me up the word is getting me crazy hang on and suddenly there came a sound and suddenly if you want to see something in the kingdom of God one of the greatest things are the suddenlies of God because every time God moves suddenly it is with this type of force that you'll find in the first chapter where he talks about dunamis power when God does a suddenly it comes in dunamis power. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind over in a, over if I was to skip over into the Amplified it says a violent tempest blast. Mm. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Ladies and gentlemen from the youngest to the oldest God has a desire and a plan and a purpose for us. Even the babies in the nursery can sense the presence of God. That's why they grow peaceful in your presence. God has a purpose for the whole house. Not the building. The building. Those of us who are fitly joined together. Those of us who have giftings and purposes and callings that need to be used in the body of Christ. God has a plan for you. Look at your neighbor and say, God has not left you out. This is not in my message, but this is free. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they... They and they were all filled. They were how many filled? All filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews and devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in their own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are these not all which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and in Pontus and in Asia and Aphigia and in Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya and Cyrene and the strangers of Rome and Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, what meaneth this? And others mocking said, these men are drunk or full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lift up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. We know that that is noon. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, in the, it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And all my servants and my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven and above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved just in the last two years we've seen the sun grow dark the moon turn to blood we're living in a, in a time like no other time that's ever been lived. This was the beginning of the outpouring of the power and the presence of God through the paraclete. But there's coming a day called the end of the age. There's coming a time called the end of the age. And God is giving us signs to get our house in order because God wants the whole house filled. Mm -hmm. So I need to get together here. In chapter 2, we find out this, that they were all together in unity. They had one mind, one heart, trying to achieve the same goal, to wait until God showed up. And when God showed up, there was suddenly a sound. A suddenly a sound. I want you to understand that every awakening, every revival, every new birth has a sound. Ladies and gentlemen, the church has a sound. When Jesus gave the promise of the paraclete, they didn't know what to expect. He didn't tell them how he would come. All they knew to do was go and pray. And their interest had already waned until there was only 120 left who could stay the course. But that 120 unsuspectedly, they had no idea. All they knew to do was fast and pray. So they were fasting and praying and seeking God when suddenly there came a sound, a noise. It sounded, now it says tempest blast here. A tempest is a strong wind. 
The best way to say it for me is it's a tornadic blast. There's nothing like a tornado to rumble over your property. Everyone I've ever heard said it sounds like a freight train. It sounds, it sounds angry. It sounds mean. It sounds, it sounds contemptuous. And that's what I hear uh, in my spirit when I think about this moment. Uh, the Holy Spirit came and he came with a, a vengeance. Why? Because the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent taken by force. Uh, and so Jesus uh, allowed the Holy Spirit to come. Uh, although the kingdom had suffered violence and the Messiah had been crucified, and, and it looked as though things were hopeless and the move was gone. Jesus said, oh no, the move's not over yet. I, I, we just disbanded for a moment so we could reorganize. And he sent back the Holy Spirit because he said, you know what, boys, my work is done. I've done all I can do. Now the job is up to you. I'm leaving you, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you solely with just a message. I'm leaving you with an infilling. I'm leaving you with a partner. I'm leaving you with someone who will help you make the difference and go the distance. I'm leaving you with someone who will help you in the night. I'm leaving you with someone who will help you if you're hanging on a prison wall somewhere and singing praises in the midnight hour. I'm leaving you with someone when your life is threatened. I'm leaving you with someone when you're preaching the unsearchable riches and you give an altar call like Peter did when he stood upon the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls come to the first altar call of the church. I want you to understand whether you're in a small little building like this or you're in a grand cathedral somewhere if you have the paraclete living on the inside of you. There's a noise in your spirit. There's a tempest in your prayer. There's a power down on the inside of you. And when the church was birthed, it was birthed in a new sound, a new noise. The same Christ that sent the sound of the Holy Ghost when he came is the same Christ over our lives today. That tempest blast filled the whole house. The violent force of the Spirit of God filled the whole house. Because when the kingdom suffers violence, the violent take it by force. That sound reverberated the entire region until people were drawn into witness the origin of the sound. You see, most people scatter at the sound of danger. But this was a tornadic blast, and yet people ran to it. Most people run when they hear a storm is coming. But there was something intriguing about the sound. It wasn't just any old tempest blast. It wasn't just any old tornadic activity. There was something that said, hey, you need to see what's going on. Hey, what's going on down the road? It was reverberating off of the buildings in the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. Something was happening, and they had to find out, what is that noise? Do you hear that noise? There's something that's rising above the other sounds that are going on here during the feast days. Here it is Pentecost and I hear a noise. Is it war? What is the sound? I don't know. But everybody ran. Everybody ran to the sound of the noise. Why? Because when revival comes, when awakening comes, it always rides in on a sound and it is the sound of an awesome almighty God who's willing and ready to wage war on the kingdoms of darkness and he doesn't come quietly. He comes 
comes with the sound of a shofar in a war trumpet blast saying, I have arrived, I am here. The word tells us that when Christ comes and the saints ride with him, that he will come with the announcement of a shofar to let the world know I've come to make right what is wrong. But in the meantime, he's given that sound to his church. He's given that sound to his people. And ladies and gentlemen, Passion Church will operate underneath the sound of God. Inside the house was 120. They experienced both the sound and the blast. It's like the t-shirt that our cameraman is running today. Because that sound was a blast. It was a boom. He didn't come quietly. He came with a, a tornadic eruption. 120 people praying, doing their due diligence, just trying to stay faithful to Jesus and not lose faith like the other 340 or whoever it was. 360. He was, he was just trying to keep faith. He was just, they were, they were trying not to lose their faith and stay faithful and hang on. When all of a sudden, boom, here was the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Something tangible happened. It blew in such violence that it blew past their flesh and into their spirit. Boom. It came through the windows, and I can just imagine, I see this in my mind's eye, that the window curtains, if there were any, were standing out like this on that day when the wind came into the upper room, and it blew past all of their excuses. It blew past all of their whining. It blew past all of their complaining. It blew past all of their double-mindedness. It blew past their moment of trouble and heartache and discontent. It blew past all of that. Boom! Right into their spirit. It permeated their flesh and got into their spirit man. Spirit and soul on that day were birthed in a way they never were birthed before. Now we walk around with the very presence of the third person of the Trinity, the Ruach HaKadosh, on the inside of us. This is what Pentecost is about, ladies and gentlemen. It's about being infilled with the power of God himself and walking around with his anointing, his calling, his power, carrying out his will. Wow. I'm having way too much fun. Woo. As this tornadic blast occurred, he brought fire from the altars of heaven into the hearts of the 120. In fact, the residual effect of his arrival was blowing through, blowing in. And filling them with the fire and the passion of God. It was the same as when Moses knelt before the burning bush. The same fire, the all-consuming God came into that window with the Holy Spirit. He retrieved fire from the altars of heaven and brought them with him. 
as it circled and whirled over that room. And the residual effect of what had happened to the inner man was dancing above the heads of the saints. It was standing there. It was flickering for all to see. These weren't drunk. These were filled. These weren't people given to natural things. These were people given to the Spirit of God. These were people who had been filled to overflowing with the power, the unction, and the might of God himself. And now the very fires of heaven are burning in their soul. Right now they're filled to overflowing. They don't even understand what they've got, but their mouth can't stop praising him. Their mouth can't stop shouting him. Even though what they're saying isn't the language that they learned, it's some foreign language they've never spoke, but they've been overtaken by the presence and the power of God and they're standing there reeling and rocking under the power and the overwhelmingness of who Christ is and in that moment they're speaking out praise unto his name as these Galileans from one geographical area begin to articulate in precise verbiage of many languages worshiping God in the tongues of men and later as Paul put it in the tongues of angels over in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Why would we need tongues of angels so that we can make known the manifold wisdom of God into the realms of darkness? That's why we need them. So we can let angels know we know who we are. You cannot trip me. I'm a child of the Most High God. Dancing in my soul is the fire of God, the presence of God. Come with me with all you have, but you can't take Christ out of me. Whew. I'm having fun. I don't know about you. I'll try to wind this up. Worshiping God in the tongues of men and angels. The Holy Spirit dispatched from the Father to the believer the wind of the fire of God. And the Christian's partner in salvation, the temple system exposed as fraudulent, went and corrupt. And the birth of the church filled with both power and manifestation of life. This is what Pentecost is about, ladies and gentlemen. In verse 41, if we go down there, 3,000 souls were born again after the first sermon given by Peter. This one who was just a few days ago denying his Savior, now standing out boldly, filled with fire, May have still been dancing above his head when he gave this, this message. But he said, don't you think these people are drunk? We're here to tell you this very Christ that you murdered was the Messiah. And this is his message. The beauty was it wasn't a condemning message. Even though he called them murderers, it was a call to salvation. Mm. The church alive was born. The church alive was born it's something the lord gave me on the other night on the way home let me just share this with you the seismic shift at calvary that rent the veil in two from the day that the whole system of the church changed it went from an intangible god to a tangible indwelling presence 
While the religious tried to carry on with church as normal, the upper room believers birthed a movement that usurped the religious system of the day. That's where God revealed his holy assault on the kingdom of darkness by engrafting us into his authority, his plan, and his purpose, and his will. We are the children of God, the keepers of the flame. And when the Holy Spirit was revealed, he arrived in a whirlwind of fire and the noise of a generation empowering believers with both authority and power, ordaining the believer to disturb the atmosphere with the tangible presence of Christ, therefore turning the world upside down. This last Tuesday when we prayed, we gathered into this house and we prayed. Sometimes prayer starts off in a bang and sometimes it starts off quiet and peaceful and serene. This week it started off quiet and peaceful and serene and it never really raised above that, but there were moments of great declaration. We have the power to decree a thing because God lives within us and when he speaks it, we can speak it. And as we were praying, this might sound a little flaky and there will be scholars out there who will fight with me and give it your best shot because I ain't intimidated and I'm not going to be pushed back. I came here to deliver revival, and we're going to deliver revival. I can't deliver it, but the Holy Ghost will. And he told me to facilitate revival, and he doesn't back up from his word. I was praying in here the other night, and I got a vision. I don't see very many visions, but I got a vision. And I can't explain a vision to you except that even though my natural eyes were still in the room and I could see with my natural eyes things around me, My vision was obscured somewhere in my mind's eye with something else utterly different than what I was seeing with my natural eyes. And while I was praying, I saw a whirlwind. I wasn't working on this message. I saw a whirlwind of fire right above this building. It was whirling. And I mean, it was whirling with great intensity. And you know how a tornado looks black? And it had, it had sort of a, a dark uh, exterior, but then all of a sudden, peals of fire would come out of it. It almost looked like, have you ever watched the Ten Commandments? It almost looked like that. And the pillar of fire as they depicted in that movie. And I, could, I couldn't hear it, but I could see it. And it was great in intensity. And I began to decree, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, it is time for a second chapter of Acts experience in the church of Jesus Christ again. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And then the Lord had me to decree it in the other location. I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And then it grew in intensity and it engulfed our town. I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And I began to decree, I began to decree of its growth. And then it took over the region. And from there, I don't know how far out it went. But I do know this, that there were were offshoots from it. 
And the offshoots were landing in other places. The offshoots were going other places. And I, I didn't see what was sparked there, but I know that something was being sparked in other places. And when I got through decreeing and declaring that, I just stood in awe of what I had seen. God's not playing. He really is going to do it. He really is. Don't get your eyes on the natural things around you. Don't get caught up on what's going backwards or wrong or upside down or, or, or something that's, that's trying to steal your peace. Don't get your focus on that. Don't get your focus on things that are temporal. God's got something up his sleeve. He's getting ready to do something unimaginable in our presence. I've gathered several things from the seers of this church and from those who have a prophetic uh, voice. And they're all saying the same thing. There's a seismic shift coming. There's a seismic shift coming. And no one put it in a negative light. There's a seismic shift. There's something changing in the atmosphere. Over the church, it has to start with us. We, the world can't change unless the church changes. This is why Jesus told the, the religious crowd of the day, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when the door is closed on you. Because you wanted to play around when you could have had his presence. And now you're not going to be the person who leads my bride to me. Nothing would repulse the natural Jewish man more if he's religious than to have the Gentile take his place. I don't say that with bragging. God still loves them. He's still coming after them. But this was what he warned them of. We're standing at the precipice of a new dawn in the church age. Because in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And God wants us to follow him into his plan. But we can't do it if we're all sitting in the house in separate places. We need to get united. United in cause, united in vision, united in purpose. How many want to see your unsaved loved ones born again? How many want to see our city revived? How many want to see economic development around you? How many want to see peace rise up in this place? How many want to see drugs eradicated and alcohol go to the wayside? When I'm, ta I'm talking about people who have addictions. You know what I'm talking about. How many want to see God arise in this hour and prove himself? I want to see God arise. God left me with eight things that he wants to do. And they all come from this portion of scriptures that I have shared with you today. I want you to understand that God wants an offshoot 
a whirling fire, a tornadic blast of his power in his church. He wants it in his people. If you agree with that, say amen. Mm. He wants it in his church. He wants it in his people. And this move of God will be fueled by hungry hearts. A dabble do you Christianity, ladies and gentlemen, is not pleasing to the Father. The church as a whole, I've been listening to other pastors recently. I've got to hurry. I've been listening to other pastors recently, and they all talk about how their, their church body, about every six weeks you'll see a particular family, about every six weeks, here they come. But they think they're in regular attendance in their church. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourself. I'm not here. I'm not here to spank. I'm not here for none of that. I'm here to say hungry hearts need to lean in. If we really want to carry his message, his presence, his miraculous, we got to lean in. We can't just dabble, do you? We've got to lean in. we got to lean in at home. Don't just worship when you get to the house of God. Worship in your home life. Don't just read when we get to the church as a corporate body. Read the word. Get the word in you. Hungry hearts will fuel the fire of God. Otherwise, the wind will bypass those. Because even those who stood outside that day and heard the noise that was noised abroad, there were scoffers in the crowd. And I guarantee you 3,000 walked away with the power of God, but somebody walked away without. And God is looking for a people that he can dump his power, his presence, his call, his mission on. How many are that people? Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? Look at this. Fueled by the hunger of hearts and fanned by a tornadic blast, placed into the trusted people of God, a wildfire is going to spread. And out of the darkness that we've been experiencing will come, number one, a seismic shift. It's coming. All of my prophetic people are going, yes, they feel it. Number two, Life is about to spring out of death. When we're rocked by the seismic shaking of God, life will come out of dead places. Things that we were ready to bury will only be the incubation of life. Look at this. Number three. First is the seismic shift. Second is the life springing from death. Number three is the promise delivered. And that makes me happy because the old men still get a dream. And I'm an old dreamer. But I get to continue to dream. And these young ones, they're going to have visions. Okay, we'll do that. How many want to hear from the younger generation? These young ones... God's not waiting for them to become teenagers. God's not waiting for them to become what we call fully grown and mature. Thank God. He's using them right where they are, as they are. So the promise is being delivered. I'll move on. 
The next thing you can expect, and these aren't in any particular order, get prepared for the sound of God. Every generation of the church that has ever written, arisen in any decade, in any century, came with its own noise, came with its own sound, came with its own style of reverberation. There was something about it that attracted people. God's getting ready to give his sound to his church. If you can believe that, grab it. God's about to give a new sound to the church of Jesus Christ. We're about to embark upon a new sound, a new generation, a new hunger, a new thirst, a new noise that's being noised abroad. The fifth thing the Lord told me is there's coming a blast of his presence. Now, I don't think you heard me. Mm. there's coming a blast. We're used to a few people coming up here, and oh, it's so sweet. They come up and they receive Jesus. And I love it when God really messes someone up because the first time you pray for them and they've never experienced this, they start going. And they can't stand up. And they're overwhelmed. That is mild what God is fixing to do in the body. Some of you might want to just travel with catchers. Walk down the aisle at Walmart, people be laid out in the beanie weenies. I believe it with every I'm not telling you this just to be flipper, to be cute in a message. I'm telling you God is saying it. In the workplace, production has to stop for a minute because the whole production line is laying on the ground, praying in a heavenly language. God is returning to his church. And some of you are going to walk through hospital corridors and just your presence will bring people out of a bed of affliction. I'm talking about a blast of his presence. Like he did in the upper room, he didn't even ask their permission. Boom, he just came in. You're willing to stay, I'm willing to give. You're willing to, to stand the ground and stay here, regardless of what your flesh is trying to tell you to do, and you didn't do like the other 380 and run off and do your own thing, but you stayed here and showed some diligence. Boom, take that. Some of us who operate in timidity are about to become some of the most bold people in this place. Some of you believe me. The rest of you will when it's all said and done. Look at this. Number six, there is a new fire being dispatched to the body of Christ. A passion like no other. I mean something that consumes you but doesn't destroy you. Just like when Moses stood before the burning bush, it made no logical sense, but it burned. And after that encounter, so did Moses. And his countenance changed. Some of you, your countenance is going to change in such a way that people, when they encounter you, are going to want to know what your secret is. Mm. It's not oil of Olay. It's the oil of heaven. I got to finish. Leave me alone. Number seven. 
There's coming a deposit in the soul and the spirit. Divine revelation. Where things that were hidden before suddenly now make sense when you read. Things that once were confusing suddenly now, by reading the word in context, suddenly you go, How many times have I read the resurrection story and never saw people coming out of the grave when he cried, it is finished? How many times have I read that and never saw it? I'm here to prove to you, you've read it too. How many of you never saw that before? But today when I read it, it stood up in your spirit. You went, whoa, he is. You can't kill God no matter what you do. You can't kill life. You can't kill hope. It may seem like he's dead, but even in his death, here it comes. Life. Mm. Got to finish. Number eight. Just like in the upper room. Now we are we we happen to be a Pentecostal church, and so we speak in heavenly languages. We speak in earthly languages, as given utterance by the Holy Spirit. We'll we'll talk about that next week. But here's what I want you to see. When we see that, we only see the act. And we've put so much emphasis on the act that we don't even really understand the purpose. Can I give you the purpose? It's so simple, it's going to mess you up. Why? Why tongues? Well, of course we know, and we'll get into it next week, that it's a prayer help for you, right? But why? So that we can communicate to all men, regardless of where they come from. We can communicate the gospel to all men. I've had people come up to me and say, did you know you were praying in Spanish? I said, no, because the only Spanish I know is taco, burrito, and chalupa. That's all I know. But if the Lord was to put me in the path of someone who speaks that language and have me to speak an oracle from my mouth to them, it would bring understanding and clear understanding of who God is and give them a choice they might not have ever had. God wants us to communicate to all, to all people. There's a lot in that. It'll take a while to unpack it all. I'm still unpacking it all. I was a little bit nervous. thought maybe I should just break it down one at a time. And maybe we will later. But right now, I hope you caught the message. On this day of Pentecost, God is ready to move. We don't have to wait till next year. We don't have to wait for two more years. Faith is now. Time is now. God is now. Even in his departure, he was now. In his resurrection, he was now. In his ascension, he was now. In his dispatching of the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit is now we read the pages 
that happened in the first century, but I want you to understand there's no distance. What happened for them is happening now. And God will have a church triumphant. Not a church that's morphed by society. Not a church that's morphed by man-made desire. A church that will demonstrate God in such a tangible way. You cannot deny him. That is God's plan. Who can say amen to that? Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.